Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know, and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, welcome to another edition of Someone You Should Know. If you're joining us live, we might have gotten just a little bit of a late start because of a glitch, but uh, hey, we're still here. Better late than never, as they say. I uh, want to welcome you again to Someone You Should Know. We are brought to you today by No Sweat Experts. They are the experts in heating and air conditioning here in the DFW area. And it's starting to get cold out there. Make sure you get that furnace and your heating system checked out. Make sure the filters are changed. You want to be ready for the winter. So thanks a lot uh, to our friends over at Roy Cook and our friends over at, at uh, No Sweat Experts. Thank you for sponsoring the show, too. Well, I got a special guest, and uh, it, it's kind of interesting because Mark, uh, who I thank very, very much for producing the show, he's producing the show up in Michigan. We're down here in Texas, and my guest is out in California. So I want to welcome in Jim Burson who is my guest this morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Stuart. How are you doing? And let me uh, let me begin, if you don't mind, by apologizing. I want the audience to know that it was all my fault this morning in, try, in uh, getting this set up. Uh, Stuart and his people uh, did everything they could. I've been away from broadcasting for 21 years, and I've forgotten how you uh, have to connect things uh, properly properly in order to get on the air. Uh, that reminds me of another story I've never even told you, Stuart. Uh, so remind me to tell you about panic when you're getting ready to do a newscast and you don't have the cast. Hey, you're on a roll. Go ahead with the panic right now. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I worked in all news radio, a couple of locations in Philadelphia and Los Angeles for 35 years for CBS and uh, Westinghouse. And uh, anyway, we did uh, constant news all, all around the uh, clock. And uh, I would uh, type and get things ready. We had writers and everything, like editors who got the show together. And we had uh, many times had a big printer that we would print the newscast and then carry it into the studio. And when, when you got to talking in the newsroom, sometimes you forgot to hit the print button. So you didn't print your newscast out. And suddenly they're playing your music to introduce you on the air. You got to run for the studio, which I did. And I yelled back to the editor, hey, have somebody print this thing and bring it into me page at a time. <laughs> so I'd run in, type myself into all the computers in the studio. And then one at a time, the desk assistant would bring in the copy. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'd introduce the weather or something uh, in order to kill time. So that was and, and I re I remember because when I first got actually I was in high school I'm probably about ten years or so behind you but when I was in high school I got my first job at a local radio station and I I was in the news department uh, and our my job was we used to get the news over the AP. Uh, or the UPI sure. tickers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's why years ago when you used to hear in the newsrooms, either on TV or in radio, you'd hear this in the background. That was the ticker tape coming through. And my job was take the news off the ticker tape. Then you had to go through and you had to kind of rewrite it so it didn't sound like it came from AP or UPI. Mm -hmm. And then hand it to, to, to the newsman. So I know what you're talking about. Uh, and, and, 
you know, those those were, of course, the days where the newsman would sit in the booth. And you had a microphone like like we we do now sometimes, but it was a little small closet sometimes that you would sit there in order to make it kind of quiet and 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 read read the news. And and of course, you and I both remember that 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 radio was the day where news was you know radio was heard. Today, radio is seen. Yeah, <laughs> very much so because it got you know face FaceTime and Facebook and all of that on on exactly what we're doing right now, uh, starting off in radio. But you go really back to the golden days of of radio, where after World War II, it became even more important that people would go to their their, their radio. Hey, there they are. No, no, that's I just killed a spam risk. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do do that all day. Uh, we didn't have that in those days either, but. Uh, but, uh, you know, those were the days where everybody really relied on the radio, whether it was the, the new thing called the transistor radio or your, your radio consoles to get the news because it was in the, the, the early days of television. So everybody still relied on radio. So you said you were with, with CBS and all for, for most of your career? Uh, yeah, in essence, it's, uh, it's kind of an involved story. I, uh, I worked about eight years as a disc jockey while I was growing up and going to uh, college and things like that. Then I switched over to news and spent 35 years in, in the news end of the uh, business. But when I, in 1965, I landed a job in Philadelphia with uh, Westinghouse Broadcasting, which was just starting all news radio all over the country. They had started one station in New York, WINS, and uh, then they started in Philadelphia in September of 1965. And uh, uh, anyway, so that was Westinghouse. Over the years, I stayed with Westinghouse in Philly, then went to Los Angeles, and uh, they eventually bought out all of CBS, the radio, television, studios, the whole bit. So we became CBS, in essence, uh, at one point along the thing. So I did work for uh, both of them. Um, interesting story how that all got started. Back in 1965, I had uh, uh, graduated college a couple of years before and uh, was working in news and uh, I was working in Youngstown, Ohio at a radio station, WBBW. And uh, I happened to walk into the news director's office that day to get something. He was on the phone and uh, talking with somebody. And obviously, he was a good friend of this person. I could tell by the conversation. And he's saying, no, I'm not interested in the job in Philadelphia. But Jim Burson just walked in my office, and I'll bet he would be interested. And so he handed me the telephone and I said, what, what, who are you, who are you talking to? He says, he's a news director over in Philly at KYW. And uh, so anyway, long story short, I said, uh, I said to the guy, yeah, I'd be interested in the job Bob doesn't want. And uh, so <laughs> he said, well, pick up some copy and read for me. I'm going to hear what your voice is like. And uh, so I did. He says, uh, Okay, can you be here in Philadelphia tomorrow morning for a writing test? 
And I said, oh, sure. And I'd had no idea how far it was to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> from, from Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah, I found out it was about 400 miles, which meant I had to drive all night long on the Pennsylvania Turnpike to get to Philadelphia. And uh, anyway, I took the writing test and got the job. And 35 years later, I retired from them. <laughs> so that just kind of shows you how life changes. You never know exactly what's going to happen when you walk through the door. Well, and, and that's the nature of this business, too, because as I was growing up, if you were with, with Westinghouse or CBS or, or uh, some of the large corporations that had multiple station locations, uh, it could be it could be at almost at any time they say, hey, listen, you know, uh, we really like what you're doing here, but we just opened up a station in Denver and we need you in Denver. Uh, and so it's almost like being in the military. You could get reassigned uh, from time to time. So uh, you 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 were fortunate that you, you spent you spent a, a, a big part of your career in Philadelphia. Uh, no, I spent seven years in Philadelphia. Okay. And by the way, those were the best years of my entire career, uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, but anyway, I spent seven years there, transferred out to Los Angeles to KFWB, which was another all-news station, Westinghouse owned at that right. time, later to become a CBS station. But uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, there in, in, in uh, Philly, I, uh, I went to work in 1965. I was uh, one of the uh, uh, late-night anchors uh, to begin with. Then I became a street reporter. Then I became an editor, which uh, was re really enjoyable, kind of running a, a newsroom involving about 80 people. And uh, anyway, uh, after that, uh, I became the assistant news director and then news director of the station. Uh, but after after going through a couple of years of being in management, I got tired of writing memos to people to correct them or chewing out the same people all the time. And I thought, this is no fun. Let's get back to hands-on approach. And get in front of that microphone. So I went back. I, I decided I would go back to being on the air. So, uh, so I got a job in New York with our station uh, and was going to go to work in New York. And I got a phone call from a former boss who was now the boss in Los Angeles. And he said, what in the hell do you want to go to work in New York for? I said, how do you know that? He said, well, I just talked to Hank. Hank was the news director there in New York. And uh, he said, come on, uh, we'll send you a ticket. Jump on a plane. Come on out here and we'll show you Los Angeles. Long story short, I ended up in L.A. <laughs> and for 28 years. You know, and, and 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 as I say, today today the news people generally just sit at a desk, and everybody else is scrambling around getting everything together to hand to them, and they are, for all practical purposes, the pretty face that's on the on on the screen or or on the microphone. Back in back in the the heyday of radio, I mean, like you said, you you. Uh, got the, the the news, you edited the news, you organized the news, you uh, broadcasted the news, you, you did almost everything. You were a jack of all trades. And that's what made you valuable, not only to your station, but to other stations that were out there listening to you too. Yeah, I had a couple of the bosses told me that, but that it was it was good that I'd been in management. I understood that. And oddly enough, when I got to Los Angeles, I became the union shop steward 
which meant now I was at the bargaining table when we bargained new contracts and I did the same thing in Philly. So therefore I was on both sides of the table eventually in my career, which was unusual. You said you started out uh, in uh, being a DJ, which which right. all of us in that, that time uh, probably always wanted to do and aspired to do, spinning the records and uh, and doing that. You did that in college. I did that in college. That yeah. kind of launched our careers. Unfortunately, you spent your career in it, and mine got delayed fifty years before I got I got back on the on the air. But did you enjoy the days of spinning records? Oh Lord, yes. Yeah. In fact, I have daydreams of getting a part time job, even if they don't want to pay me. <laughs> Just. To- <laughs> Be back on the air, but as a disc jockey, oddly enough, uh, you know the the news was oh fantastic. I, I enjoyed working and that sort of thing, but it's stressful. Uh, you're meeting a deadline every sure. ten minutes, one way or another, and it, but it makes the day go by quickly. And I loved it. Uh, Forty one out of forty three years in the broadcasting business were just tremendous. I woke up every morning looking forward to, to going. I truly did going to uh, work. And seeing what was going on, what was going to develop, what I'd be able to talk about. Uh, and uh, some of the things I talked about, uh, uh, I, I found most fun in work uh, where you had a breaking event. For instance, in Los Angeles, earthquakes. My goodness, I got I got there in 1972. Uh, and uh, they had had a big earthquake in 1971 that uh, killed a lot of people, destroyed a lot of freeways and things like that. But I'm on the air and you have aftershocks that happen up to a few years later. And uh, anyway, I'm on the air by myself sitting in the uh, studio, but there's a window in the studio and I can see the newsroom. And uh, all at once, the whole building starts shaking. Now, this is the first earthquake I've felt since I got to California. Uh, So I'm sitting there and the chair's moving around like this and I'm moving and I'm thinking I'm on the second floor of a wooden building. We're directly above a bar. In about a moment, I'm going to be able to order something from that bar. Yeah. (laughs) The floor is going to fall out from me. And I look out the window and everybody in the newsroom is running out the back door. Uh, They're running out of the newsroom and I keep talking. I see engineers up there in the window. uh, So they're busy doing things. And I keep talking about the earthquake, so on and so forth. And suddenly the door opens and one of the engineers says, you're not on the air anymore. Come on, let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) He put Uh a tape on is what he did. And we got out of it. And that was my introduction to earthquakes in California. Yeah, and 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 of course those uh, again uh, were the events that that people relied on their radios when there was weather issues oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or things like the earthquakes. Uh, and now, if you're going on every ten minutes, now you got to scramble back and you got to get the latest news and the updates and everything. Revise that. Get ready to sit down in front of the mic and 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 pass that along to the people. And then ten minutes later, do it all over again. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a constant uh, problem. I, I can remember it was actually harder when I worked at a small station because I had to do everything. Uh, whereas when I went to work for Westinghouse in Philadelphia and out in L.A., we had we had 80 to 100 people working on the product. Uh, outside reporters, we had writers in the studio. I did a lot of the writing myself, things like that. And, and of course, you have editors who did all the planning. And... Uh, 
of all the things I probably did, I, I enjoyed uh, ad-libbing uh, around fires, earthquakes. Uh, one of my biggest kicks was, believe it or not, uh, when the Soviet Union failed. I think that was around 90, 90, 90, 91. Anyway, as it failed, it was my job to sit in the newsroom with a microphone in the newsroom, and they would introduce me for each newscast, and I would talk about what's going on and trying to memorize, because you had to memorize, there were 15 Soviet republics, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, all of the stands, you know, right, <laughs> and then Latvia and all the other things like that. And it, But it was a hell of a lot of fun to sit there and do that. And you weren't reading a script, you were reading notes galore all over the place or looking at TV screens that had information for you. Um, that was a lot of fun uh, to sit around there and, and just like you're doing right now, uh, just asking me questions. Yeah, you, and I do want I do want to double back to something you said earlier because you said that uh, uh, you spent 43 years in broadcasting and 41 of them were very enjoyable. So right. what happened? What happened to the other two? Uh, the other two were the, all the fault uh, of the managers. Uh, they brought in a couple of guys, and these are big corporations, but I suppose this happens in every big corporation. They brought in guys. Uh, the one guy said, I've never worked in broadcasting. I've never been a newsman, <laughs> but I'm going to learn from you guys. And, Hello, so what and are you doing here? <laughs> you can imagine what the scuttlebutt was in the newsroom after he left and went back to his office. Anyway, long story short, there were a couple of guys who weren't exactly the right people to be leading. And uh, anyway, they both got fired eventually. So, <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, they weren't prepared. Uh, so it was one of those kind of, I told you so moments. Oh yeah. 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 You know, that, that's like that's like today when, when a major corporation or for, for instance, when, when a, like a sports franchise, uh, hire some business MBA from Harvard to come in and manage the team. And you think, mm -hmm. well, wait a minute, why don't you bring somebody in that knows something yeah, about sports? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know they, uh, they, they do make some, some wild, wild mistakes sometimes. There's no getting around it. Uh, by the way, one of the most interesting things that ever happened to me uh, was when I was a disc jockey in Youngstown, I had an overnight disc jockey trick. Uh, I would work overnight, midnight to six, okay? And uh, then I would go lay down on the couch and- uh, At the and radio studio. Sleep at the studio, I would lay down on the uh, couch, get an hour's rest, and then jump in the car and rush, race up the hill to the university, Youngstown University, and uh, and go to class at eight o'clock. <laughs> uh, and then I'd drive 40 miles back down to my home. At that time, I was 40 miles away. Uh, and, and that went on all the time because I was working two radio stations at, so, at the uh, same so time. So you're trying to absorb no a knowledge on, a, on one hour worth yeah. of sleep. <laughs> but the unusual thing that happened uh, when I was working the overnight, uh, there would be people that would call every night and I'd have to cut them short because I had things to do and records to play and so on. But this w one woman kept calling all the time. And uh, and I would talk to her, you know, as much as, as I could, but then I had to get, get her off the telephone. Anyway, she called one night and she said, Jim, you have always been so nice to me and been willing to talk. So I thought I would call you before I call the police. I said, what are you talking about? She says, well, I just shot Harry and he's dead. 
Harry was her husband. He was <laughs> he was a night watchman, and uh, he had come home tired, beat her up, uh, and he often beat her up. Uh, and she would tell me about that, and I tried to get her to get help. But anyway, uh, he laid down and went to sleep, and she went over and picked up his gun and shot him and killed him. And I said, okay, well, you haven't called the cops? I, she said, no, I'm going to call you because you've always been so nice. <laughs> and I said, well, call them right away. And I, and I hung up on her, and I called the cops right away. <laughs> I said, you may be getting a phone call. And anyway, they did. Uh, ultimately, she was found not guilty of murder, you know, that sort of thing. There were, she had really been beaten up over the years by this guy. Interesting that you were the first. The first. Yeah. Call. Oh yeah. I, was, I, I couldn't wait to get home and tell my wife about that. And by the way, would you play my favorite tune? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so long, farewell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that was fun. That, that's fun. So, and 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 I think you sent me a little bit of information, uh, uh, and I understand that when you were at college, that's where you you met uh, uh, your your wife. Actually, it was in high school. Oh, in high school. Yeah, in high wow. school. Uh, I knew her. Uh, you know, that sort of thing like that. Uh, we were in a couple of classes together, but but she was dating another guy at the time. So, I, you know, I was dating other women or girls at that time and, and let it go. But we were both in a, in a play as, uh, in our senior year. Uh, the oh, play okay. was Harvey. Jimmy Stewart starred in the movie. Uh, he was he was an alcoholic and he saw this eight foot tall rabbit called Harvey. And that was the name of the movie. Yep. That was the name of the play. I Great played classic. the Jimmy Stewart role in high school, and she was a nurse at the sanitarium. And in in that uh, particular thing, uh, she gives me a kiss at the sanitarium as I'm leaving after being fixed up, <laughs> you know. And uh, so anyway, we're riding home after that uh, play that night. The uh, speech teacher was driving some of us home. And as we neared her house, she reached over and gave me a kiss on the cheek and said, would you like to come in? And I came in and we were married 53 years, long story short. Uh, she passed away about 11 years ago uh, due to amyloidosis, which is a very rare uh, disease. Uh, they still haven't really detected exactly how to cure it. Um, but anyway, uh, that's that's how I met my wife in high school. We were seniors at the time. And then, and then you you met in high school, but you got married when you were still in college. Yes, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we not only got married, but uh, uh, we had all three of our children uh, while I before I graduated. And the reason for that, it took me several years to finish up because I, I had to go part time because I was working two radio stations also at the same time. And so getting I, one hour of sleep yeah. in between classes. So I'd take 10 to 12 hours of credit instead of taking 16 or 17 or 18 right. hours. So it took me longer. But in the meantime, we had our full family. And, uh, and it was only a couple of years after I graduated that we took off for Philadelphia and, and started a whole new career, uh, something that I had no idea was going to happen. Uh, Till that day, I walked into the news director's office and took his phone call. <laughs> so you got you got th three children, 
And, yes. and today you got a bunch of grandchildren, even great grandchildren. Are any yeah. of them in broadcasting? Uh, no, I've got eight, uh, three children. Uh, they're none of them are in broadcasting. The one could be, he's a physical therapist, but, uh, he's, he, he sounds a lot like me. He could easily be in, in broadcasting. Um, then I've got eight grandchildren. Uh, they're all married, uh, and at least three of them have started having uh, children. Uh, so I've got 13 great-grandchildren in addition to the eight grandchildren, which keeps me busy uh, mailing out the uh, birthday cards all the time. <laughs> on the thing. Uh, uh, they, they, they live up in the, the mountains of California and Truckee. They live in Utah. Uh, and uh, my son, Kevin, and Lourdes, his wife, whom you've interviewed, uh, you know them. They yep. live right there in Frisco, uh, uh, that sort of thing like that. So I kind of travel around, visit with them, that sort of thing like that. Uh, and they uh, usually throw me a big birthday party. Uh, they did it 75 and 80, said they were going to do it at 85. I said, let's wait till 90. I want some assurance I'm going to get to 90. <laughs> so anyway, uh, hopefully I'm, I will be there. And you live in Northern California now in a very, very pitch, picturesque uh, area. You're not far from, are, you're not far from Lake Tahoe, are you? I would be uh, roughly an hour and a half drive uh, from Lake Tahoe. I yeah. go up there, uh, to go hiking uh, and, and visit with my son. My son lives within 15 miles of uh, Lake Tahoe. And uh, so we go over there, but uh, I like to hike up there. There's, uh, I've hiked all my life uh, as a, as a kid, I started uh, hiking when I hiked to uh, grade school on dirt covered roads. Uh, uh, but I, I, I enjoy the hiking and uh, right now I'm encountering some knee problems and, and, uh, uh, some ankle problems, and uh, that's all a result of uh, having uh, done a lot of running. <laughs> when I was when I was uh, 39 years old, I decided I was going to uh, do something really spectacular for my 40th birthday, and I saw some guys running a marathon, and I thought, oh, that looks like it'd be fun. So. So I went over and started running. Well, I couldn't run a half block uh, when I got started, but I worked at it for about a year. And after a year's time, I ran my first marathon, the Palos Verdes Marathon. That's in Southern California near Long Beach is where that is. And I run a half dozen or so of those afterwards and, and many, many uh, 10K races. The radio station used to sponsor one uh, every year, and I would run in it and then MC the awards banquets uh, after the thing. I, I, I got lost there. I left and went over to talk about that. I was talking about something else. What was it? No, no. And it's it's fascinating. And what the real fascinating point that you just made was you decided at 39 that you were going to start running, and then you ran your first marathon one year later. Yeah, uh, I was a runner true. back in back in the in the eighties and nineties, uh, and I also ran a, a few marathons myself. But gosh, it took me almost five years to run my first marathon. Started with oh, the really? five the five Ks well, and the ten good, Ks. Yeah, and, well, good for you that you did and, it. And and, yeah. and the half marathons and all, but it's it, it ain't easy. And you you decided at thirty nine, I'm going to run a marathon when I'm forty. 
that, so yeah. that's that's a pretty 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 uh, aggressive yeah, it, undertaking. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I lived in uh, Westlake Village, uh, part of Thousand Oaks in Southern California at the okay. time, and uh, had some beautiful places. Uh, there was a nice valley called Hidden Valley that wasn't too far away, and I would run out through it every morning and uh, look at the horses and the cows in the fields and that sort of thing like that. Uh, Richard Widmark, the uh, the old time actor who sure. was big in and cowboys and uh, other kind of movies. Great, he had a nice director. ranch out there. My next door neighbor, who was a stuntman in the movies, uh, he used to take care of Richard's watch over his uh, ranch when Richard was shooting a movie somewhere else. Uh, uh, but the stuntman was Paul Newman's stuntman. If you uh, if you saw. Wow. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Sure, it was, classic. It was Jim, my next door neighbor, who who jumped off that huge cliff into the into the river, flowing down below. Uh, and then later they they had a fight, uh, gunfight in Mexico in the movie, right. and Jim fell off a roof on purpose, being shot, and he broke his back. <laughs> Ooh. Later in life, he, he turned to be a director of the stuntmen instead of being a stuntman. They get banged up pretty badly at times. <laughs> and you reported on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a fun fun existence uh, to be to be in broadcasting. There's no getting around it. Uh, I looked at it as uh, it was always fun to get up. Think about uh, you know what's going to happen today in the world uh, that uh, that I can talk about and write about uh, that sort of thing like that. Uh, be interested in in uh, what is going on, and you meet such wonderful wonderful people. Uh, there's there's uh, no getting around it. Uh, you just meet uh, such wonderful people. It isn't funny, but as I say, with over over the years, uh, uh, it starts taking its toll. Uh, I'm 83 years old. And uh, and when I reached 80, <laughs> the old body started giving in. I've often said I'm going to when I eventually get to heaven and we're all going to heaven. Uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a meeting with God and I'm going to say, you know, let's make these bodies last to at least 90 instead of what they were, because we're all living longer and let's stay healthier longer. That sort of thing like that. Uh, but. I I enjoy myself, even though I got a few uh, medical problems I'm taking care of right now. Well, and I think you you had mentioned to me, but before we even got together to go on the show too, that you you uh, also played a lot of baseball and softball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I played softball though I was seventy five years old, and the only seventy five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But the only reason I quit was I injured my Achilles and had to have it operated on. And that's one of the problems I'm having again right now. No, we have, uh, I live in a 55 plus community. Del Webb built the thing. Del Webb owned right. big baseball teams at one time uh, and made his money in Las Vegas in the casinos. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have a beautiful softball field with uh, seats, stadium, uh, electronic clock and the, the whole works. Uh, he just built a beautiful thing to entice people like me <laughs> to come and live here. And uh, I truly, truly enjoy it. I played about 10 years uh, uh, from uh, 65 to 75. I played uh, softball. Wow. I hadn't played softball since I was a teenager. <laughs> when I was a teenager, uh, 
I, I played some softball, but I was very busy. My father, God rest his soul, uh, he was an electrician in a steel mill, but he, on the side, earned more money uh, for the family. Uh, he, he put roofs on houses. He installed furnaces. He painted houses inside and out. Uh, he could tear apart a car and put it all back together again. His his dad uh, at one time had the Oldsmobile Agency in town, so he taught my dad how to be a mechanic, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, that was that was great. That was great. Uh, you, you've you've uh, you've had a fruitful life. Yeah, I have. I've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I, I often say uh, with the wonderful wife of 53 years that I had, the three children, the eight grandchildren and the 13 grand great grandchildren so far. It's it's very rewarding. There's no and, and that's what it all comes down to is family in the end. That's the only yeah. thing that's really important. So, you know, I'd like to get your your observance on something. Having spent your career in in news uh, writing, editing, and and broadcasting, and everything. What is your opinion of the way news is being handled today? Uh, well, like I think anybody in the business, we we saw it. <laughs> I, I think I would excuse me. I, I in a way, not really, but in a way, I would like to see us go back to where there were only three networks: ABC, CBS, NBC. Uh, and, and look at the people who were working there at the time, okay, and, and how they handled news. What was news at that time? Uh, my biggest gripe, and this is the biggest gripe, we used to talk about this in the newsrooms, uh, the people who were in charge sometimes wanted a lot of fluff in the, in the news. Uh, fill material is what we would call it, but fluff uh, instead of paying attention. I would like uh, I would like to see the idea of people with opinions so far separated from the newsroom that it isn't funny. Uh, Fox News suffers an awful lot because of the commentators, who, and people must realize that commentary is a personal opinion. It is not news. It is a personal opinion, many times uh, misconstrued like crazy. Uh, but that reflects on the news department. Uh, Fox News itself, I have no qualms with. I think they do a hell of a good job. Fox News, not the guys who do the commentary shows. Right, uh, the personalities. It, it, the personalities. They, they are harming their own news department, uh, and they know that. But they're making money, big bucks, by commenting and getting people to follow. That uh, that's the key right there. Yeah. Is that they're, yeah, they're if, building if, they're building their own uh, resumes uh, yeah. and all. They're they're getting the book deals. Yeah, uh, and, and all, and it's 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 getting kind of separating them from the focus of the newsroom. Yeah. Now they've got a right to have have their own opinion. They really do, and it right. needs to be said over there. But. Uh, for goodness sakes, uh, I, I think if if Fox was smart, they would say to these guys, okay, we're going to put you over here. You're not going to be on Fox. You're going to be on, a uh, not ABC, but uh, yeah, we'll give it another name, okay? Because you're, yeah. you're playing hell with our news department, the reputation of it. Uh, and that's what's happening because most people out there in the general audience do not realize 
that they're not newsmen, they're commentators. They don't understand that. And, and I, I know that from having dealt with so many of the people who right well like you like you said earlier you used to be the, the guy down on the street too so you were you were investigating the story so you knew what was going on with the story today as i said everybody's got a slot and the commentator is simply just reading the copy that's being brought to him so the the guys that are out there getting the news uh, are much different than the guy that's presenting the the news over the air and in, and in our day, like you said, with three three networks, you pretty much had to get all sides of the story to make sure that the story right. was exactly. accurate. Yeah. And that's my biggest gripe today, I think, is that if the, if the story isn't quite accurate, that's okay. Just, just present it. We can always do a disclaimer later. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it is a shame. It's a shame uh, uh, the way some broadcasters handled, handled the situation. But uh, I, I, I was griping about it while I was still working. <laughs> and here it is, 21 years of retirement later, and I've still got the same gripes. Uh, nobody's changing anything. And uh, oh, it's, that's the way life goes. You know, it's, uh, but it's a good world anyway. <laughs> well, and also we have got, so, you know, as you said, we went from three networks now to, you know, oh, now yeah. you've got cable TV where oh, yeah. there's probably 40 or 50 news channels uh, and so you're bouncing back and forth to see the story on uh, from a different point of view uh, on many of those those channels the and and it's probably a good idea and I would stress that people should watch more than one news channel to get a balanced opinion of what's going on uh, but that used to be done by guys like you it mm -hmm. was it was it was done by by you know the one of those three network news broadcasters and you would follow all three of them or you would follow one of them but you would get all sides of the story well let me let me assure you when you watch fox news now that not the commentary when you watch fox news when you watch abc nbc cbs they are doing a and i know this from from 35 years of working in journalism, uh, they are doing the story as straight down the line as they can possibly do, both sides of the thing done. I don't have any gripes. Anybody who gripes about the major networks news doesn't understand uh, because what they've done, they've heard a commentator say something and they want to know why that news guy isn't using it when simply it was that guy's opinion. And so you keep opinion out of it. Uh, that was that was something that uh, I didn't even have to contend with when I was an editor in all news radio, uh, because guys knew you don't you don't put an opinion in there, uh, right. not at all, because you lose your credibility when you do that. It well, it, it as I say, I, I think it's 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 kind of fun to to reminisce about what things were back then. Uh, you know, I, I think we all have our, our opinions of what, what it was like running, you know, being a DJ back in the fifties and the sixties, and then what the music has evolved into today, uh, which I kind of see more as noise than, than music. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah. it, it was fun spinning records. 
it was oh, yeah, fun, you know, relating to your your audience. You know, mm-hmm. used to have used to have our own uh, phone banks, where all of a sudden you'd see a phone light up, and you'd press the button. You, you'd say, "Yes, you're on the air," and somebody would say, "Yeah, would you please play something by Percy Faith or yeah. <laughs> or whatever?" Sure, you know, the next record up was by Percy Faith. Today, everything is pre-programmed, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's a big machine that just plays this stuff, that sort of thing like that. It was interesting, though, to go through it. Uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, when I was in high school, uh, now this is even before I got the job. Uh, I don't know whether I got around it. I get around, I didn't tell the Santa Claus story, but I got oh. into radio. You you, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, the DJ part, but before the DJ part was Santa Claus, uh, I was a senior in high school in the speech class, and uh, the radio station, local radio station, called down and said, we need somebody to play Santa Claus for a month uh, leading up to Christmas. Do you have somebody down there you think could uh, play Santa Claus on radio? And so the, the teacher sent me up to an audition. I got the job. So I played Santa Claus for a month. Out of that, they said, hey, we need a weekend disc jockey. Would you be interested? And I said, my gosh, yes. And uh, of course, I... <laughs> <laughs> Turned out uh, it was like an internship. I didn't get paid for the first two, three months, <laughs> uh, but eventually did. But that, but I did play Santa Claus on the air. Uh, and you were what, 16, 17 16, years old? Yeah, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, and I would read the letters. So we had a big mailbox right out in front of the radio station where the kids could put their letters to Santa. And uh, I would read the letters uh, and that sort of thing like that. So with all that experience, <laughs> uh, uh, you ever play Santa now? Uh, not really. I, I play you're Santa. Wait, you're waiting for the phone <laughs> call, right? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I make sure all of my uh, great-grandchildren and grandchildren uh, get gifts every year, that sort of thing. That keeps me busy, uh, that sort of thing. But, but uh, some of them are up in Utah and uh, others are, well, Couple of them right now. Right now, my one of my uh, granddaughters who graduated college, Long Beach State. Uh, she uh, she is over. Let's see. Right now, she's in South Africa. Oh, wow. Um, uh, she's got a job, a full time job, but it's a high tech job, so she can work on a computer anywhere in the world, and they they've given her permission. So she spent the last uh, four months in Portugal, Spain. Croatia and South Africa. Uh, she just decided she would like to go work around in those places and uh, and see them at the same time. So she she contacts her company in Miami uh, every day uh, for an eight hour period. Does works with them, you know, with the computer, and uh, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, uh, then one of my one of my my youngest uh, granddaughter is now a junior at Sonoma State over in the wine country over towards San Francisco. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, I, when I look, uh, the rest of my grandchildren are from 40 years down to 20 years old, 20 to 40 years old as <laughs> the range on my grandchildren at this time. Love well, it. I, Love I know. Them. I know you have. I know you have a wonderful son and daughter-in-law here in Frisco, and I have interacted with uh, with them, and especially with your your uh, uh, 
your uh, daughter-in-law, Lourdes, mm -hmm. uh, who is a, a landscape architect and uh, a, a dear friend. And that's really how that's she was the connection for for us getting together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess she mentioned me or to you or something. Uh, yeah. She, so, uh, oh, boy, I got to hook you up with my father-in-law. He's got a background in radio because we, we talked about. Yeah. Well, you know, I. I can't thank you enough, Jim, for taking the time to to spend a, a little bit of time with me on someone you should know. Uh, you've had a fascinating career, and it's uh, it's terrific. It's been to, fun. It's been fun to have had you on the show. I yeah. thank you very, very much. Oh, and thank you, Stuart, very much. And my apologies to you again for screwing up in the beginning and delaying you getting on the air. Okay. Hey, it's it's part of the business. Oh, yeah, it, it sure <laughs> it, is. It it happens. All well, right. thank you very much. The very, very best to you and to your family for the holidays ahead uh, and all. And keep up the great work out there in California. And and again, Jim, thanks, thanks for spending the time this morning. You betcha, Stuart. Take care. That'll do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Hope you'll be back with us again next week, same time, right here for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Again, thanks to Mark Warner for producing the program. We'll see you again next week. Bye.